Welcome to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. On today's podcast, Pastor Kirk is going to be speaking from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. Well, if you live in Fayetteville or anywhere in Northwest Arkansas, we would love to have you come and to worship in person with us. Our morning worship is on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. We would love to meet you. If you have questions about the church, if you need to know anything about give us a call. You can reach us at 479-442-4634, or you can visit us online at calvaryfedville.com. Again, we would love to connect with you. If you have any questions at all, let us know. If you're enjoying the podcast, let me encourage you to rate and review and to share it with your friends online. It's a great way to share the, the meat of God's Word with the people in your life. Well, again, Pastor Kirk is sharing a message entitled, How to Encounter God in 2022, from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. Let's listen together. We tend to, at Christmas time, get to the birth of Christ, celebrate that, focus on the Christmas story from Scripture and then very quickly move on to other things as soon as we get past uh, Christmas Day or whatever Sunday uh, falls on or before uh, Christmas Day. This past week we had a Sunday immediately following, so we looked to the second advent uh, of Christ. Advent means coming. The first advent is what we know as the Christmas story, the first coming of Jesus to this earth and his miraculous birth and all that takes place around uh, that story. Second advent yet to come. We are between the two. Uh, We have in our history the already and we anticipate the not yet, the second coming of Christ, which could be at any time. Uh, But I want to go back and and maybe give uh, a little bit of attention to uh, some of the verses that kind of flesh out the Christmas story and focus on two people uh, that, to be very honest, are often overlooked. I don't know that I can remember. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened because I don't remember a lot of things. Uh, But I don't know that I remember ever hearing a sermon about these two people. Uh, Two senior adults, uh, two older people that have much to say by their example uh, to you and me today. You see, Jesus' first coming was in many ways a coming in disguise. Now, it's not that he was trying to hide himself, but the coming of Jesus appeared to the people of his day, uh, with few exceptions, to be just so normal. If you can imagine uh, going down to the local Starbucks or coffee shop in Bethlehem the day after the birth of Jesus and Uh, The town is packed full of people because of uh, the census that's being taken and the taxes that are being collected. People had traveled to the birth area of their families, and so little uh, Bethlehem was 
bursting at the seams, so much so that maybe the talk down at the local Starbucks was about the fact that, hey, did you hear that there was a baby born down in the stable? Uh, and some shepherds have said something about all of that. By the way, if you go to Bethlehem, there's not a Starbucks, but there is a, a very close knockoff. It's called Stars and Bucks. And it's a coffee shop right there on the main drag in Bethlehem. I'm not sure how long it's been around. Uh, but anyway, so many people were so close to the birth of Christ and yet just didn't see it. And it was that way for all of Jesus' life. There were those who saw and recognized and received the, uh, the understanding, the truth, the revelation of who he was, who reached out to him in faith, who followed his teachings and their lives were changed by it. But for everyone who was changed by him, there were so many others who it just went over their heads. They, they didn't get it. And in some cases, Jesus specifically hid himself from those people in his words because it was not given to them uh, to receive it. So many examples of people who miss seeing and encountering Jesus the Christ. And not only that, it's very easy for us to miss him today, is it not? Even though we know him as our Savior, even though we've placed our faith in him, there are times that he's speaking, there are times that he is moving, maybe in a worship service, maybe through uh, some other day-to-day -day experiences that God is, is trying to speak to you and me, but we are just missing it. Maybe our hearts aren't in the right place. Maybe we're not spending enough time in the Word where is the primary place that He speaks to us. Well, this story today is about the presentation of Jesus and two people who did not miss who He was. They got it. They experienced a tremendous blessing. Now, uh, the custom uh, of the birth of a, of a son. The custom uh, in Jesus' day, according to the law of the Old Testament, was on the eighth day, the uh, male child would be brought for his circumcision, the mark of being a Jewish man, even in infant form. That happened eight days after the birth, and it was basically a private event of parents and a priest. And then 33 days later, according to Leviticus chapter 12, there was the public presentation of that child. And this was not private. It was public. It was done in a crowded, busy place in the temple. And even though it was there, a place of worshiping Jehovah and celebrating the birth of a child, many people, because it was so normal, just didn't pay much attention. But here is their Messiah in their midst. And there were two people that got it. A man by the name of Simeon and a woman by the name of Anna. Let's read the text. Beginning in verse 21. 
And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel, before he was conceived in the womb. Then, 33 days later, and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves are two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak, to, uh, speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. And of course you recognize with me that between verse 38 and 39, probably at least two or three years transpire. Between verse 38 and 39, we have the visit of the Magi, the wise men, uh, the stargazers from the east, from the land of Persia. We also have uh, the warning of the angel uh, for uh, Joseph and Mary to take the babe Jesus, or by this time the toddler Jesus, and flee to Egypt because Herod is seeking to destroy all the children uh, young children of Bethlehem in the area. So they journey to Egypt for some period of time and then come back to Nazareth. Well, Simeon and Anna, two people 
who experienced and who encountered the Messiah in a way that so many others have missed. What can we learn from their lives? Before we get into that, let me, let me ask you some probing questions, if I might. I'm not asking for a verbal answer. I'm not seeking to um, encourage guilt on anyone's part, for I've had to wrestle with these questions this week myself. But in regards to the year that just passed, in regards to 2021, let me ask you these five questions, some diagnostic questions about your spiritual life. This past year, what did God teach you from His Word that changed how you think, feel, and live? Is your life different today than it was a year ago today because of God's Word and what you learned from it? Question number two. How has your worship of the living Christ grown, deepened, and changed since this time last year? Question number three. Where did the Spirit of God lead you to go? And what did He lead you to do in ministry that you were not doing before or already? In other words, is there any growth in your service for God? Number four. Looking forward, what expectations do you have for God's work in and through you, your family, and your church this year in 2022? Are you hopeful, faithful? Do you have expectations to see God work in some ways you haven't seen Him work before? Last question, why do you believe that God is going to reveal himself to you, to lead you, and to use you in the year 2022? Why do you believe that? What is the reason for your hope? Or maybe we could ask that same question in the negative. Why do you not believe? that he is going to use you in some new and fresh ways this new year. Maybe we ought to just sit here for the next 20, 30 minutes and mull over those. Hope is hard, isn't it? Hope, keeping hope, Maintaining hope is sometimes hard, isn't it? Are you hopefully expectant about this year? I believe that we all would benefit by encountering 
God in some new ways this year, in some deeper ways, in some fresher ways. I can't think of anything negative about having a new encounter with the Lord. How about you? I'm not talking about some kind of second blessing. I'm not talking about jumping over a pew, speaking in tongues, running around the worship center. But I'm talking about getting to know Jesus better than we do now. You don't know it all. And I certainly don't. Well, I believe Simeon and Anna can show us and demonstrate for us some attitudes that will turn our lives around. Some attitudes and some, uh, some ways of looking to God that can make a vast difference in our lives, our families, and in our church this coming year. Let me point them out to you. Uh, these characteristics that both Simeon and Anna demonstrated. I'm going to work through them pretty quickly um, because you were faithful to come out on such a cold, awful morning and, and you deserve to at least get out of church a little bit earlier when all that other folks come, right? Somebody say amen. Simeon and, and Anna, first of all, were people with unselfish dedication. Both of these two octogenarians, that's a big word for meaning old folks. These two old folks were people of unselfish dedication to the Lord. If you look at verse 25, it says about Simeon, there are two words that are given here particularly about him. This man was righteous. And this man was devout. He was righteous. That is outward purity. Righteousness is how we live our lives outwardly. Okay? It, it's how we flesh out our beliefs. It's how we live in response to what we say we believe. Now, we're not talking about self-righteousness. We're not talking about like the Pharisees who went around with, with all kinds of, of outward expressions of piety, outward expressions of holiness that wasn't right and the same on the inside, wasn't consistent. You know what Jesus said about them? You Pharisees, you make the outside of the cup and platter clean. But on the inside, the dishes are still dirty. They're full of ravening and wickedness. You self-righteous Pharisees are like whited sepulchers, burial places. On the outside, it's whitewashed. It gleams in the sunlight. You look wonderful before others. But on the inside, you men are full of dead men's bones. We're not talking about that kind of self-righteousness. We're talking about a genuine righteousness. He was outwardly a pure, living uh, follower of God. He was righteous. He was devout. Devout is describing inward purity. So the outward righteousness, the outward expression of his living was reflective of what was going on inside. He was devout. He was devoted deeply so 
to the Lord. He was the same inward and outward. He was not a hypocrite. He was not a play actor. The inside heart of Simeon was as pure as the outside appeared to be. He was a man of unselfish dedication. Now concerning Anna, look at verse 37. The Bible says she was the daughter of Phanuel. Let me just make an observation here that I think is interesting. Uh, This doesn't necessarily say anything about what kind of person she was. But her father's name was Phanuel, which is a New Testament uh, way of saying Penuel, which is an Old Testament name. And it was uh, a name of a place in the Old Testament. It was the place where Jacob had a life-changing encounter with God. Do you remember that? That Jesus showed up. The Bible refers to him as an angel, but it's Jesus. This is one of the pre-incarnate revelations of Jesus. And, And Jacob wrestled with him. And it changed his life, this, this experience with the Lord. Well, the name Phanuel or Penuel means the face of God. It was the place where Jacob came face to face with God. Well, this uh, woman, Anna, her father is named that, the face of God. It implies that uh, he was a man, a holy man, a, uh, a man that... Uh, lived in dedication to God, and, and Anna learned from him. But notice what it said about her in verse 37. She did not depart from the temple, and she was worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. You talk about unselfish dedication. This woman had married, probably in her teenage years, as women did, For seven years she had a husband, no children evidently, he died, she was now 84 years old and she was wholly and solely dedicated to the Lord. She didn't go to the senior citizen center on Thursday for lunch, she didn't play bridge with her girlfriends that she knew growing up. She didn't go on cruises with the senior adults from her local synagogue. She didn't do any of those things. She had no time for anything. She was wholly and completely devoted to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that we can live that way today. I'm not saying that I know anybody that even tries. But I'm saying to you that Simeon and Anna were people of unselfish dedication. And God blessed them and God revealed himself to them because of that dedication. You and I live for ourselves so many times. Spend all of our time watching, you know, reruns on TV or whatever the newest show is of all kinds of ungodliness. We spend all our time decorating and redecorating our houses. We spend all of our time with our hobbies and our pastimes and wonder why God doesn't speak to us any more than he does. There's a key truth at work here, and the key truth is this. God will always reveal himself to those who have time for him and who value him. God will always reveal himself to those who have time for him and those who who value him. Simeon and Anna teach us that. Number two, Simeon and Anna were people with divine illumination. Now that's just a big word. Let's call it divine insight. 
They had a spiritual insight that was different than the average person. They could see the spiritual. They could understand spiritual truth. Divine illumination is spiritual insight. A word that we might use for it in the New Testament is the word discernment. If we had time, we would go and read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul says to the Corinthian church, When I came to you, I didn't come to you in man's wisdom. I didn't come to you with all kinds of haughty language. I didn't come to you with all kinds of great speech-making ability. I came to you with very plain speech. But he said, also understand that for you to understand what I preach to you and to understand what I'm writing to you requires spiritual insight. It's not man's wisdom that's going to grasp the things of God. That's why there are extremely intelligent people today that just don't get spiritual truth. It passes over them. It's not because they they are short on brain cells. It's not because they don't have the intelligence. It's because they don't have the Spirit of God in their lives and working and teaching them in their minds. Folks, to understand the Word of God... We need divine illumination. We need God to open it to us. Every time we read it, there ought to be the understood and even spoken prayer. Lord, help me to see and understand what you are saying here. Now notice how Simeon uh, demonstrated this discernment. Verse 25 says, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was working in his life. Verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Spirit, by the Spirit. Verse 27, he came and was moved by the Spirit. So the Spirit was all over this man. But I want to tell you something. Did you know that you have something that Simeon did not have? Did you know that? Because you see, until the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God did not live inside the heart of every believer. Now we read the old, about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and we read about the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit came on people. He empowered people. He worked in and through people. But we know in the case of King Saul that the Spirit not only would come and empower and strengthen, but the Holy Spirit would also depart and leave. But since the day of Pentecost, believers have been indwelt permanently. By the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will never leave you nor forsake you. You have potential of life in the Spirit that's every bit as, as much as, if not more, than Simeon. The potential for spiritual discernment, to understand spiritual truth, to understand the things of God in a way that lost people cannot. Anna, it says very plainly in verse 36, that she was a prophetess. 
That means likewise. She had spiritual understanding and discernment. And here we have a key truth as well. And what is that key truth? A supernatural God cannot be known through natural means. It is only through divine insight that we can encounter a divine God. If you want to encounter God in a greater way this year than you did last year, you're going to have to surrender and submit yourself, your mind, your heart, your attention, your focus to God, the Holy Spirit, who is at work inside of you. You need to be spirit-led. Number three about Simeon and Anna. They were people with eager expectation. Eager expectation. We have a word for this eager expectation in our language today. Also in the language of Paul and others of the New Testament. It's spelled F-A-I-T-H. Faith. Do you have faith? An eager expectation for God to work in your life this year. For God to reveal himself to you in greater ways this year. That this year should God give us the full measure of it. That 365 days from today you will be changed in ways that you cannot even imagine right now. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of hopeful expectation, eager expectation? Notice that Simeon in verse 25 was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What was he waiting for? What was he living for? What was he anticipating? What was he looking towards Every single day that he lived as he was growing older and older in this life, it was for one thing and one thing only. It wasn't for his kids to uh, experience or to uh, achieve all kinds of great things that would make him proud. It was not for his grandchildren to achieve and accomplish things to make him proud. It wasn't for the final overthrow of the Romans so the Jews could be free. It wasn't for all the political or familial things that people look for today. He looked and longed for one thing, the consolation of Israel, the coming of a Messiah. God had promised it thousands of years before. Why in the world would he think it would happen in his lifetime? He was a man of faith. The consolation of Israel is the one who brings comfort. Isaiah 12, verse 1 prophesies that. It is another name for the Messiah. It is also a term given to the Holy Spirit. John 14, Jesus tells us that. He was waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. Anna, what was she waiting for? Verse 38 says, she was waiting for the redemption of of Jerusalem. What is the redemption of Jerusalem? It is the arrival of their Savior. It is the arrival of the Messiah. Anna is the same name, by the way, in the New Testament as is Hannah 
in the Old Testament. Did you know that? Same name. It's a name that means grace. Hannah. Anna is a name that means grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. That faith, that confidence, that steadfast hope doesn't come from yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here is the key truth. Here is the key principle. God will reveal himself to whom he chooses. And to those, he gives the gift of faith. But now here's the responsibility. But once he does reveal himself to us and give us the gift of faith, that person must act with that faith and diligently seek after him. The book of Romans tells us that no person seeks God in their sin. I hear people say, well, I found Jesus when I was this age, or I found God, or I found religion, however they try to describe it. But understand, you didn't find anything. When you were in your sins, you had no desire for God. When you were in your sins, you hated God. And you hated everything Jesus stood for. You say, well, I don't ever remember having feelings like that. Well, the only reason is because you had enough influence somewhere in your life that God began very early doing a work to call you to himself. Because in our sins, we will never choose God. We have to be chosen by God, first of all. And we have to be given the gift of faith. And we have to be given the ability and the desire to want him and to follow him. This eager expectation, if you're lost in your sins, you don't have that and you won't have that until God does a work on your heart and life. But if he has done a work in your life and he has given you the gift of faith, it is your responsibility and it is your stewardship to act on that faith every single day by pursuing him and seeking him and desiring him and growing in him. Number four, and you have the message, Simeon and Anna were people with a ready proclamation. A ready proclamation. What do we mean by that? Well, Simeon, it says in verse 28, that when he saw the Messiah, and he recognized this baby was the long-awaited Messiah, he took him up in his arms And he blessed God. I can just see this old man with a long beard and his robes. And I can see him lifting up this this 40-day-old baby Jesus and lifting him high and praising God and just, just belly laughing deep from within because he was so happy. Everything he had longed for, everything he had waited for, come true what did Anna do she proclaimed Christ in her witness you see Simeon proclaimed Christ in his worship in his worship but Anna proclaimed Christ in her witness 
verse 38 says, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. He's over here praising the Lord for the Messiah. She's over here telling everybody that was looking for Jesus, he is here. The Messiah has arrived. It's this babe, this one right here. And there is a key truth, and it is this. God will entrust deep truths about himself to those who will be faithful to share those truths with others. God's not playing hide-and-seek with you. If he's not revealing himself to you, if he has not revealed himself to you in some way this past year that has changed your life, it's because you are not available and ready to be changed. Because anyone that lays themselves on the altar, anyone who says, Lord, I'm available for you to do in me, to me, and through me, Whatever you want to do, God is going to reveal himself to that person. If God is not speaking, you need to look in the mirror to see where the problem is. When will God speak? God will speak when we unselfishly dedicate ourselves wholly and completely to him. Living pure lives devoted lives. God will reveal himself to us when we seek to develop our spiritual ears to hear spiritually what he's saying, to, to have the discernment, Lord, help me to see what my eyes cannot, help my heart to understand what my mind is difficult in, in receiving. People with spiritual insight, when we have an attitude of eager expectation and of faith, when we commit ourselves to act on what he shows us, and when we are ready and willing to share with others what God has done in us. Do you want to encounter God in a powerful way this year? Do you want him to come to you in some life-defining, life-changing way? I challenge you to remember that God will always reveal himself to those who have time to listen and who value him. Make him the center of your life, the keeper of your calendar. You'll encounter him this year. Remember that a supernatural God cannot be known through natural means. Pray, pray for him to enlighten your spiritual eyes to see and to give you a heart to hear and obey. Remember that God is the giver of faith, but you have to choose to exercise that faith. Step out in obedient faith this year in ways that you never have before. Remember that God entrusts truth to us so that we will share it with others. Make yourself available to be a herald of God's truth this year. Father, thank you for your word.
Thank you for Simeon and Anna. Thank you that they didn't come to the place in their walk that all they wanted to do was just sit on a pew or let others do all the serving. That they finished strong in life. That they kept growing, kept receiving, kept believing, and kept proclaiming. Lord, may we do the same. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.